Welcome to FS Air, the weekly teaching content of Forest Students, brought to you over the airwaves. Exodus 20:13. Do not murder. That's it. That's the command. Three short words in English. In Hebrew, it's even shorter. It's just two words. Lo ratzak. Lo means not, and ratzak means murder. The sixth commandment, no murder. Now, just to be sure, have any of you listening broke this commandment before? No? Okay, great. You can turn off the podcast. Everybody go home. Okay, just kidding. But it is worth noting, this is the one commandment that pretty much everyone on earth agrees with. People disagree about what God to worship, how to worship, how we should relate to our parents, but pretty much everyone on earth agrees. It is wrong to purposefully kill someone who did nothing to deserve it. But have you ever stopped to think about why? Why is it wrong to murder? Because we have an awareness that human life is valuable. It's incredibly valuable. And we are valuable not because we are highly evolved monkeys or not because the government says so, but because God has created us in his image. Every single person on earth represents God in a totally unique and eternally valuable way. The sixth commandment, is not just good advice for a well-ordered society, but a definitive statement that you and I and everyone we meet has immeasurable value that only God himself could give to us. Here's what commandment six means. No human has the right to end an innocent person's life. No human has the right to end an innocent person's life. Do not murder means do not murder. Do not kill someone who is innocent. There is a difference between murder, the Hebrew word ratzak, and killing, the Hebrew word katal. We kill all the time. We kill germs. We kill bugs. We kill farm animals for food. We hit possums and deer with our cars. So no, that's not what's being prohibited here. What's being prohibited here is needlessly, senselessly, callously ending another person's life. That's what murder is. In America, almost 25,000 people die every year from murder. Our justice system has terms like homicide and manslaughter to determine how severe a murder is. People go to prison for years or even their entire lives for killing someone else. If everyone followed the sixth commandment, we wouldn't have any of that. The Bible gives us some more clues about how the sixth commandment applies. Killing another human is allowed in certain specific circumstances. For example, Exodus 22 verse 2 allows for killing in self-defense. It says, If a thief is caught in the act of breaking in and he is beaten to death, 
no one is guilty of bloodshed. So if someone breaks into your house and you kill them because you think they could kill you or your family, that is permitted by God. You have not violated do not murder because you acted in self-defense. Another allowance of the sixth commandment is the death penalty. Genesis 9, 5 through 6 says, If someone murders a fellow human, I will require that person's life. Whoever sheds human blood, by humans his blood will be shed. For God made humans in his image. So God says, you know how valuable human life is? If you murder, the only way to pay for it is by being murdered in return. Some people might think that the death penalty is against the sixth commandment because the death penalty is taking a human life. But God says that that's actually the right application of the sixth commandment. It's to take the life of someone who has taken life. For God made humans in his image. Humans are so valuable that the sixth commandment both protects them and enacts justice for them. What a society prohibits shows what a society values. This can come out in funny ways. For instance, in Mobile, Alabama, it is illegal to throw confetti because the city considers it littering. So if you pop confetti anywhere in public, you get a $16 fine and a $106 court fee. Why? Because Mobile, Alabama values a clean city. So they prohibit confetti. In Kansas, it's illegal to hunt rabbits from a motorboat or a helicopter. You could be charged with a $250 fine for that. I mean, just imagine you're hanging out in your backyard and you see a couple of rabbits munching on the grass and then suddenly you hear pop, 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 pop as a helicopter comes screaming over your head. That's not allowed in Kansas. Why does Kansas prohibit that? They prohibit that because they value people not flying around in helicopters with machine guns. So they outlaw hunting wild game from the air or the water. Finally, in New Jersey, it's a crime to annoy someone of the opposite sex. It can be considered harassment. And it's a good thing that it's only in New Jersey because I'm pretty sure every single boy in our youth group in this room would be in jail forever. New Jersey values orderly interactions between men and women, so they prohibit harassing members of the opposite sex. What a society prohibits shows what it values. And the same thing goes for God. What God prohibits shows what he values. We're about to see in the coming commandments that God is going to prohibit things like murder, adultery, stealing, lying, and coveting. This is not just God protecting us as people or trying to take away a little fun that we get to have on the weekends. No, this is God showing us what he values. He greatly values human life. He greatly values marriage. He greatly values the truth. So whenever we come across a negative command for us in scripture, we shouldn't just look at it through the lens of, well, I can't do this and I can't do that. But instead, we should stop and look and see and ask the question, what is God telling me 
that he values. Whenever God says no to something, it's because he's saying yes to something greater. So the next time you feel caught in the middle of one of God's commandments, you really want to do something that you know God is against, remember, what God prohibits shows us what he values. When he's saying no to this thing that you want to do, it's because he's saying a greater yes to something that is better and greater and aligns with who he is. Lastly, the sixth commandment has something to say about things like suicide, abortion, and euthanasia. Those are prohibited according to the command, do not murder. Suicide is self-murder. And though people who commit suicide do so for a variety of tragic reasons, it is actually a mercy of God that he speaks against it. If someone is in a dark place and is thinking about killing themselves, perhaps the words, the God who created you and gave you life does not want you to take your own life, perhaps those words could spare them. Abortion is also a sin, according to the sixth commandment. God tells his people in Exodus 21, 22 through 23, when men get in a fight and hit a pregnant woman so that her child is born prematurely, but there is no injury, the one who hit her must be fined as the woman's husband demands from him, and he must pay according to judicial assessment. If there is an injury, then you must give life for life. Clearly, any harm to an unborn child is outlawed and is subject to the same penalty for murder. Finally, euthanasia, which is suicide by medicine, is also outlawed. Job chapter 41 verse 5 tells us, A person's days are determined, and the number of his months depends on God. And since you, God, have set limits, he cannot pass. God determines our days, not we ourselves. Sometimes people know when their days are coming to an end. The elderly or the sick, they get diagnoses that, may, that they may be dying soon. But that process is for God to see through to the very end. Every day is a gift from him, and we should not take that out of his hands. Even though the sixth commandment is only a few words, it has a lot to say about our world around us. And as we've learned, God prohibits what he prohibits in the sixth commandment because he values human life even more. Here's why the sixth commandment is good for us. The sixth commandment is good for us because it reminds us that violence from our hands always flows from violence in our hearts. It reminds us that violence from our hands always flows from violence in our hearts. Chances are pretty good that all of us in this room will never murder someone and violate the sixth commandment in that way. But Jesus gives us a deeper look into the sixth commandment when he gave the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, 21 through 22 is the words of Jesus. You have heard that it was said to our ancestors, do not murder, and whoever murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, everyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Whoever insults his brother or sister will be subject to the court. Whoever says, you fool, will be subject to hellfire. Notice, Jesus directly quotes the sixth commandment in verse 21, and then warns us that murder begins in the heart. 
We might not commit violence against someone with our hands, but Jesus says we commit violence against others with our anger, our insults, and our hearts all too easily. We have to be on our guard against this all the time, that we don't let our hearts become angry, rude, and violent, even though we can hide it behind a nice smile most of the time. Imagine that your life is like a tree and you have things above ground that other people can see and you have things below ground that no one but you can see. Jesus is telling you that the sixth commandment wants to not only chop down the branches that everybody can see, branches like violence, outbursts, and murder, but Jesus says the sixth commandment is also for us to dig up the roots of our hearts, roots like entitlement, jealousy, pride, bitterness, and rudeness. If you want to follow the sixth commandment, don't just sit back and think, well, I'm never going to physically hurt someone out here. But no, think to yourself, what are the sinful attitudes in my heart that are hiding way down here? When I don't get my way, how do I respond? When someone mistreats me, how do I want to get revenge? When something doesn't go according to my plan, how do I want to react? Ask God to help you sort out your violence in your heart so that it never has to erupt into violence from your hands. Jesus warns us that if we don't uproot anger and hatred out of our hearts, we are in danger of the fires of hell. God takes our sins seriously and God is righteously angry toward it. If we don't turn from the violent sins in our hearts, it's God's righteous violence that we will face one day. Breaking the sixth commandment or any commandment in our hearts brings the eternal death penalty, permanent separation from God forever and ever. This violence should fall on us, but thankfully it has fallen on someone else in our place. First John reminds us, my little children, I am writing to you these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He himself is the propitiation for our sins and not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. By faith in Jesus, he is our propitiation. That means the burning hot anger of God meant for us and our sins has been absorbed by Jesus on the cross instead of us. The sixth commandment was shattered into a million pieces when evil people killed Jesus that day. But out of his death and resurrection came the greatest resolution to the sixth commandment, our forgiveness. When we have an outburst from our mouths and our hands and our body, or when we simmer with anger, bitterness, or hatred in our hearts, we run to Jesus, the one who died in our place. He now lives to be our helper and comforter. He takes our violent hearts and makes them new. He makes us able to then bring that peace to others as well. Let's keep the sixth commandment together out here because of what Jesus has done for every one of us in here, in our hearts. Deuteronomy 30, 19 through 20. I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. Love the Lord your God 
obey him and remain faithful to him for he is your life. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to check out the episode description for discussion questions and additional Bible reading to do with your family, your friends, or your small group. And make sure to check back again soon for more content. We'll see you next time.